Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly, along with Chuck Davison, I'm Lyle Stokes. Uh, tonight's show is presented by Whisker Wear Apparel. We have a couple of things to talk about um, before we get in, Bob, with our guest tonight. Um, you want to take off on that, Chuck? Oh, yeah. Um, if everybody remembers the big Christmas giveaway, um, Scott Woody <laughs> won that. Um, he, he's been on, he's been, he's watched the show every night since we've been on. Uh, he always comes on and tells us how great a show we've done. He's really, really a good participant. Um, his father has been diagnosed with uh, malignant brain tumors. They found eight of them, uh, six to eight, they believe. He's got to go through 10 rounds of radiation. He's already received three. Um, his father's name's Larry Woody. Um, you know, and he's been a lot of time with Scott doing outdoor things and all that. So um, Scott's a big part of the, the Catfish Weekly family. So if everybody would keep Scott and his father both in, in your prayers, um, that would be great. And um, I want to congratulate uh, Jonathan and Jackie uh, Cooksey uh, from Cronus, Mississippi. They they came over and fished the um, – the Wheeler Tournament with the Alabama Catfish Trail Saturday night. And, uh, they brought home a first place. Their father-son team, uh, sponsored by Bottom Dwellers Tackle, and uh, some of the greatest people you'll ever meet. They're really down to earth. I hope I can fish with them some more. And um, we had a, a, a good group of people show up. Uh, the, the tournaments are getting bigger and bigger, but we just had a ball at that tournament. And way in at 2 of the morning was just so much fun. It was great. Um, that's about all I got, Lyle. Well, I'm I so proud of Daniel for the what he's doing down there with that Alabama Catfish Trail. He's doing an outstanding job. Uh, it appears to me that his participation level is growing uh, to where he's doing at least as good or better than some of the bigger uh, groups that has tournaments in that area. And he, he runs them professionally. He's just doing an outstanding job, and kudos to him for that. Um, Many of you know uh, a lady that's been in catfishing industry with us online on different forums and, and talks and things for years. Her name's Glenda McFarland. Glenda lost her bro brother last week, and uh, anybody that gets a chance might send her a note. I know it'll make her feel better. She watches the show uh, whenever she can. She's an outstanding lady, makes some of the most beautiful trophies for not only catfishing but other sports uh, and she's down in Arkansas, and I know she'd appreciate it if somebody, if you just drop her a note. Um, some buddies of mine over in Springfield, Illinois, have been tearing it up this year. They actually uh, won a tournament over there over the weekend, and I want to give a shout out to Bill Parfit and Jason Raff. Those guys have been on fire. Um, they're not nationally recognized as. Uh, in the circles, but these guys are tough everywhere they go, and if you go to Springfield, Illinois, you're going to deal with them, and they're going to make hurt your feelings if they get a chance, and they usually do. You know, they always do me, but uh, for some reason, I struggle over there, but uh, there are a couple of really good guys, and, and they have really been putting some quality fish in the boat on that lake, so congratulations to Jason and Bill. Um, Tonight, we are very fortunate to have one of the premier fishermen in the nation with us, Carl Morris, Jr. Uh, again, uh, set him on fire this weekend in the Cabela's tournaments, I believe. And thank you so much for spending your time being on the show with us, Carl. We really appreciate it. 
No, thank you, Lyle, for the invite. I appreciate it. We uh, we try to get as many uh, people on as we can, and, and uh, when I find guys like you that are willing to do it and have the setup, it makes it a lot easier. There's a lot of good people that we've asked to be on the show that they can't because they either have poor internet connection or they don't have webcams or whatever, and uh, if we do it by re by telephone, I have to sit there and hold the phone up to the speaker on the webcam, and that gets you know that's it's really hard to do, and my phone will run dead. All kinds of things go wrong. So uh, I was just thrilled when you agreed to do this, and I know Chuck's got some questions for you, so I'm going to turn it over to him, and you guys can have at it. All right, thanks, Lyle. Yes, sir. Hi, Carl. How's it going, man? Not too bad, Chuck. How you been? Good, good. Ah man, how do you do it? Tell us. No, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you know we've been following. You know everybody mostly follows the uh, the Cabela's and the Bass Pro Series stuff, and um, you know pretty much uh, your name is consistently in the top three. A very recognized fisherman, you know, throughout the nation. Um, how, how do you balance yourself so well? Uh, you know, from from work and fishing, and uh, you know, keep it where you can, uh, you know, concentrate on work, you know, and still do these fishing things and um, all that. Well, I'd say the biggest thing there is is I've got uh, some good people behind me, Chuck. You know, I mean, I've got a good a good woman with Amanda who uh, helps take a lot of burden off me on things, and uh, without her, she ma she makes a lot of this catfishing happen as well. <laughs> so she takes care of the uh, the dirty work, getting me to where I'm going and uh, getting me set up so I can focus more on just the fishing part. Oh, that's great. Um... Do you, do you ever get her out on the water and uh, put her on some pigs? Uh, every once in a while. She we, she usually makes a trip to Alabama with me at least once a year, just me and her, where she gets to go out and fish. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. Um, when, when, there's a big tournament being organized for next year on the Mississippi River, and it has potential to be one of the biggest ones ever that's ever been put on. Um what do you what do you think about the uh, location and the timing of everything on this uh, event that's being planned out there? What's your thoughts on it? Man, I think that the uh, you know, right time of year it could be a big bite, could be a great tournament. I mean, you've always got the challenges of the Mississippi to deal with in planning an event that size, you know, water level, up, down, boat ramp access, and all that good stuff. So, it, you know, it'll be an interesting uh, layout to see how things, uh, you know, work out because, unfortunately, you're kind of at the mercy of Mother Nature and what she does months beforehand, you know, as far as how that goes. But I tell you what, uh, that time of year, it could be on fire down there, and it could be a ball. All of fun, so I'm, I'm keeping my eye close on that one. I hear you. You know that's that's the kind of thing I like. You know the the monsters of the Ohio. I've only been able to go once last year, and now I can't wait until every year I'm gonna be going. Um, you know the fishery's not the best in the world, but anytime you can get it together with a bunch of cat fishermen and go out and have fun, everybody's got the exact same chance to do the same thing. So. You know, everybody's on equal grounds anyway. Oh, I tell you what, I, when I went to Monsters, it's been uh, four years back when I started going. I mean, that's always been one of our favorite tournaments every year. I mean, it's just, it's been a well-ran tournament. Like you said, there's no other tournament right now 
you know, at least in you know my neck of the woods that I can get to, that you get that many fishermen from all across the United States that, you know, you meet a lot of good people. And, I mean, that's one of the things that I enjoy about catfishing is, you know, sometimes just the parking lot talks, you know, part of the best time. So, I, you know, I, I enjoy meeting a lot of new guys. And, you know, I've learned a lot of things sitting at a tailgate at 11 o'clock at night in a hotel parking lot. <laughs> um. When was your first time you remain, uh, remember being in any kind of your, uh, you know, a, a big uh, magazine article or a newspaper uh, ad or anything like that when, when it really, when you really placed good in a catfishing or, or just plain out did an article on catfishing? Well, it was, it was after, it was 2012. We had a pretty good season in 2012 where we won a few tournaments and uh, we got the Angler of the Year and the championship uh, through Cabela's that year. That was when I got to do the first in Fisherman article. I know I was tickled to death when I got the phone call. You know, I'd never done anything like that, and, you know. That was that was uh, kind of like a crowning achievement at the time, you know. I was just that tickled me to death. So I'll say 2012 is when I did the first serious anything. So yeah, that's great. It you know it's it was you know y'all just came out of nowhere, you know, by storm, and um, it's great, you know, that y'all and the the Messingales and uh, you know a bunch of guys like that that are the best in the country, you know, when they all get to the same place together and get to compete against each other. I mean, it's just, even if you're not there, I'm like, when are they going to post the results? You know, and um, you know, if we can ever get this thing on, on television and, and get it in front of people on Saturday and Sunday mornings when they're sitting around, um, I mean, it, it's going to be a hit. And I, I just cannot believe it has not got to that level yet. You see it every once in a while on an outdoor show or something. But, man, if they could just do a tournament, you know, just like the basketball yeah. No, I'm tell I I agree wholeheartedly. If you know, if they could get you know, if they could get monsters on the Ohio, you take that tournament setting right there. You know, you you film that. And, I mean, people would love to watch that. Now, you if you could get some of that size tournament down somewhere, you know, like you said, you know, if you get that down at Alabama on Wheeler Lake, or you know, over the Mississippi River where you know they're pulling some big hogs out. I mean, people would tune into that. I really agree. It's just you know, there's been several attempts. Just it seems like nothing's ever got any feet underneath of it yet. Yeah, um, what what's your favorite uh, stop on the national trail? Uh, your favorite place to go that you know got the best five fish limit, <laughs> where, where you can just really blow it out. Oh man, that that is that's tough. Uh, New Madrid, um, Crystal City, uh, Missouri. Um, Crystal City, Missouri is one of my favorite places to go. Um, we've been going there. We fished it with Cabela's. I don't know. It was 2008, nine, before we even knew what we were doing out there. I mean, we went to Crystal City the first time. I got on that river for the very first time, and I didn't know what the heck to do. I was tying so many leaders. I think we caught in three days. We caught one fish for five pounds. And uh, yeah, I, I left there. Had a I hit a buoy going down, drifting down the river, wasn't paying attention. Got a red buoy. Yeah, I, it was all bad. But uh, I, that was my first stop, and I told myself then I was going to figure out how to fish it. And I finally figured out how to fish Crystal City. <laughs> all right, I heard that. Yeah, there's some really good whites out of that Missouri River. It's one of the you know best places in the United States to really go and uh, catch some really nice fish. Um, do, do you fish it, uh, any local events besides the monster, the the Rising Sun, or any of those? Is there any of those tournaments you really look forward to every year that you make sure you frequent? 
I, I don't fish. The, I haven't got a chance to fish a rising sun. You know, no, no reason. It just it's always been a scheduling conflict. I mean, I, I fish a couple local tournaments on some lakes up here. You know, they're not nationally known tournaments or anything, but uh, there's a couple of channel cat tournaments that uh, I've hit for probably 10 years now that I still go religiously hit every year. But, uh, you know, none, none of the big ones around here at all besides monsters. Great. Um, so w when you – when you go to these uh, the the tournaments, you have to travel the most. You know, when you try to hit, uh, you know, out the, the James River, you come down and hit Wheeler. Uh, what how, what what kind of system do you set up where you say, well, I'm gonna try to uh, budget my my tournaments by two a month, by three a month. Uh, how do you go about doing that to keep a good balance? Well, t typically I look at the schedules. I, I, I usually predetermine the tournaments we're going to fish usually by the first of the year. Um, we sit down, we look at the schedule, you know, because, I mean, you know, I run a landscaping company, so a lot of times my winter time, you know, is pretty well um, at the mercy of snow removal. So I can't do much in the winter. So in the spring is a little tough until I get into, you know, late April, early early May. And we look at the tournaments. You know, this year we was fortunate. We had uh, several Cabela's events right in our backyard. We had three on the Ohio River here. I mean, all within about 150 miles of me. So that, you know, that made this year we fished more tournaments this year than what we normally would just due to fact that they were so much closer for us um, but we predetermine it like I said at the beginning of the year and kind of nail it down so we can start studying the water all throughout the year so yeah the, the, I was going to ask you that a lot of places I know you, you know you don't get to show up and do all the pre-fishing you want especially if you go somewhere for the very first time um, do, do you get on Google Maps and uh, your Navionics and just sit there and study and look at the <laughs> topographical and the and the everything I, I'm probably actually a borderline freak with that um, yeah <laughs> um, you know I, I spend many an hour on the couch with my iPad and my Navionics app um, just staring at river flipping back and forth looking at contours you know and just you know a lot of times you know what like you know, last week we had a hundred miles of river we could fish from Memphis all the way up to Dryersburg I had never been on that section of river once, you know, so trying to pick, you know, that spot you're going to fish, you know, on Saturday out of a hundred miles of river, it's something you can't just pull out in a boat ramp and say, I think I'll go this way. Yeah. You know, you, you got to have some sort of a, you know, clue of, of, you know, what general vicinity you want to go in. And, you know, sometimes say, I'll look at a map and, you know, I'll sit there and I'll tell, you know, my partner, Hey, that's the spot there. That's where they're going to be at. We pull out on the river and look at it, and no, that's not the right spot, <laughs> you know. But we'll have, you know, we'll pick usually seven to eight predetermined areas that we want to go look at, um, you know, kind of narrow it down, and you know, hopefully that you know one of those areas are you know, or close by, because sometimes it might be not in that exact area, but you go up another mile or down another mile, you'll you'll find what you're looking for. But you know, it's really trying to be prepared and nail it down, because like you said, we just don't have the time. You know, we get out there, you know. And we get a day on the water when you got a hundred miles and you know ten hours of daylight, you know, to to be able to get out there on it, and look at it, and get to a meeting, you know, it's pretty tough. So it it, it there's a whole lot of more work involved than just what you do in the boat. Um, you know, do all your research, all your homework. Um, you know, it makes sure your gear is always in top equipment. 
Um, yeah. Do you got any more tips that you'll let these guys know that, you know, to help with preparation, you know, mentally and homework wise that could really help them uh, succeed in tournaments? Well, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that, uh, you know, we've always done is just be prepared. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of time that goes into things, kind of like you said, getting gear set up, you know, shoot, leader time. You know, you get down there in Mississippi River, you you know automatically you're probably going to go through an X amount of leaders, you know, just because if you're down there, unless you're fishing an area that you know real well. You know, we, we go down, you know, we, we nail down the mapping, you know, so we look at it so we're not wasting time on the water, you know, in, in areas we shouldn't be. We take our, you know, we'll make sure our gear is ready before we go. Before it goes into the boat, you know, everything's ready to go. You know, we've got, you know, everything oiled up, fixed from the weekend before, relined or whatever that is. Sinkers restocked, you know, we've got everything set up that way. Down to tying leaders. I mean, you know, there, you can lose a lot of time out of your pre-fishing day sitting there tying leaders and, you know, goofing around <laughs> if you're at a spot where you're trying to figure out how to fish them, you know, and you want to see if you're getting a couple pools somewhere, you know, you got to be ready to go. Well, if you ain't got nothing tied on to fish with, well, there's 10 minutes here. There's 10 minutes there. Next thing you know, at the end of the day, you wrapped up an hour and a half, you know, worth of waste of time. You could have been looking. So it's, you know, I guess I'll say just really trying to maximize all of our time and just being prepared and being organized, I guess. Yeah, that uh, they, they eight hours during that tournament just flies by. It uh, does. <laughs> and, you know, you you never, ever have enough time, ever. And uh, and that last-minute fish, you know, it always, most time it's the one that pays off. Um, could you let us know about... Um, when you first hit the water in the morning, how do you uh, go ahead and see the, the way that you need to be fishing? Uh, you know, if you need to be dragging, drifting, anchoring, what bait they're going to want, how do you organize everything to, you know, to, to see what the fish want and how they're going to feed and all that stuff? Well, you know, that, that scenario will differ a little bit by body of water. I mean, you know, certain body of waters, you know, I pretty much, you know, know, you know what I'm going to do when I get there, you know, to a certain extent. You know, when I go down to Wheeler, you know, I know I'm pretty much, you know, there's not a lot of current, you know, in this time of year. We're going to be pulling baits, you know, dragging them through or suspending them, um, you know, more often than not. You know, when I go, you know, Mississippi River, we knew we were going to be, you know, either anchored down walking baits or, you know, drifting down and bouncing. Um, you know, we pretty much knew that already. It's just figuring out, you know, when, like when we got down the Mississippi River, it's, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how, what we need. Is it a three ounce, four ounce, five ounce, six ounce sinker? You know, what, what do we need? That's what we got to adjust to when we get there. It's kind of, we already got our style usually determined. It's just a matter of fine tuning it. And then, you know, it's, it's a matter you throw out, you know, you're dragging a pole, you're suspending a pole, you know, which one's getting more bites, you know. Well, if I'm catching all my all my, you know, my fish suspended, you know, obviously I'm gonna change all six poles over to suspended for a while, you know, and, and up my odds. If I'm catching them dragging, well, I'm gonna try to put one out, you know, or two out behind the boat farther and two right off the back, you know, so I can drag four poles, you know, down through there. You know, if I'm it just depends on what you know, what way we find out on Friday, we're getting most of the bites and we kind of gear towards that, you know, on Saturday. Yeah. What about uh, you know, you're talking about making adjustments. Uh, and, and a lot of times, you know, there's things that'll happen that that makes that force you to make adjustments, even that you, you don't want to make. As such, as uh, cold fronts and current. Um, could you tell us about some uh, some major adjustments that you've made, and 
you know, pulled off really good finishes by by making the right decisions and the right adjustments at the right times? Well, I, I, you know, in my opinion, I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is, you know, everybody wants to throw out two pound of bait. <laughs> they think the bigger the bait, the bigger the fish. Um, you know, me, I always look at a cold front when the pressure's up. You know, I'm always throwing smaller bait most of the time. You know, pressure's down, I'll go a little bit bigger. You know, and again, pre-fishing, you'll, you'll determine that as well. But that's the thing. You know, I mean, you can be out there, seems like one day they can be eating half skip jacks, you know, as fast as you can throw them out there. You know, Next day, they want the they want the smallest piece of bait you can put in front of them. We've got a lot of forty and fifty and sixty pound fish, you know, actually on you know piece of skipjack, probably cutting you know maybe an inch, you know, inch wide chunk, you know, at best. And we've got a lot of fish like that, you know. Um, those are the major adjustments. Is usually the depth of water, because um, you know, especially you know, all of a sudden you're out there pre-fishing for a couple days, and you get a cold front that comes through. Those fish that might have been sitting in 25 foot might move down to 35, 40 foot on that ledge. You know, those are the major adjustments. A lot of people get too set, you know, fishing the same spot. You got to move with the fish, I guess. That's the that's the thing, I guess I would kind of say. You got to move up and down with the fish. All right, that's some good advice right there. All right, Lyle, um, you got anything for him? I do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I've been kind of waiting on that, and you covered some of it. Um, Carl, I wanted to ask you, you know, we was talking about bait and stuff, and um, what is it that determines uh, if you change a presentation of a bait to fish? Uh, is it the fact that they're not hitting it one way or another, or is it the fact that what you're using two different rig setups and one's working and one's not, or is it uh, whether you're seeing fish suspended or on the bottom, or if, what, what reason causes you to make an adjustment like that? Well, I mean, kind of all of the above there. I mean, you know, a lot of times, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll hang out as many poles as we can if we're in a body of water that we can, you know, fish six rods. You know, we'll, we'll end up with some chunk, we'll end up with some head, we'll suspend some, drag some, and, you know, just as the day goes on, you just kind of naturally narrow that down. And, you know, if you end up catching four fish dragging and you only caught one fish suspended, we're going to gear more towards the dragon. Same with the baits, you know. I mean, we'll hang all different kinds of baits out. You know, we'll, we'll have one pole that'll have, you know, slab on it we'll have another pool with a you know baby piece of bait on it we'll have a small little chunk on one we'll throw a gut pocket on one whatever you know just try to you know throw a mess out there and figure out okay they keep hitting on the the head and the big midsection today you know and we'll throw that on Saturday some days it's just chunk I mean you know I think some guys get too caught up on fishing with a head all the time and think that's what they got to have we you know some days they like chunk I guess they're no different than us someday we like this someday we like that so <laughs> Exactly right. When you go to a tournament, say uh, we're going to Monsters of the Ohio, and I, I know that you'll be there, I feel like you will, um, yep. how far are you willing to go from a takeoff point to fish? Um, typically, I keep a 25-mile range. Um, you know, I mean, I my boat, for one, you know, it, it'll do about 35, 38, but it ain't the fastest boat in the world. I sacrifice a little comfort for a little speed in her. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think, you know, people try to overwhelm themselves again, you know, and they try to look at, you know, they, they want to look at 100 miles of the river. 
well, you know, narrow that down. So they're in that 25 miles, there's fish somewhere. I mean, you know, typically if I go up, I go up, or if I go down, I go down. I usually don't do both. Wherever I go from the boat ramp at, I pick a direction and I concentrate on that area because you know, somewhere in that 20 miles, there's fish. You know, somewhere in there, there is. You just got to slow down and find them. And that's, I think everybody makes that mistake. They got to, they want to fly to where they've caught fish before. Well, shoot, there's fish there somewhere. You just got to spend time looking for them. Well, I agree, and I think that is all. That is very true. That that people will go to a place and they'll get on some fish, and next year they'll they'll spend the majority of the time in that area. And, and you know, if they're not there, they're not there. They're and not you, there. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if they're there one year. That doesn't mean they'll be there tomorrow, next week, next year. You know, they, and they <laughs> may be, they may be a long way away, and they just might be in deeper water or more shallow water or. Uh, up or down the river system from where you you caught them before, but uh, you know I've seen that I feel like that a lot of times the the fish will be in a general area and they'll move in and out from deep to shallow water. They'll go up and down the river a little ways, but blues yeah. are notorious for migrating too. So the fish that you're catching uh, this year may not even been close to the same thing that you was catching there last year. Maybe right. a whole new family, a whole new group of fish. No, and I and I agree. I think a lot, you know, a lot of times, you know, the the fish are in the same general vicinities, like you said. And, you know, they're they're around there. Fish, you know, I mean, I don't know. People laugh at me sometimes because I explain it. It's no different. You know, a lot of times fishing, you can actually relate it to what we do every day. Look at this. Look at the state of Ohio. You know, I live in. There's constant Columbus. There's a lot of fish in Columbus. You know, Cincinnati. There's a lot of fish in Cincinnati. Well, you get outside there, there's not many. You know, same thing is going on underwater. There's areas that hold more fish and others then you'll go across the blank area you'll go out in the country there's no fish there you know I mean that's kind of you know if you just look at it and you keep it simple I think people overthink things you know but if you look around the fish are there now you just got to find them so that's it. do you relate a lot of your fishing to structure of some sort uh, typically, yeah. Um, you know, I, I like to, I look for structure more often than not. But you know, you also can't get hung up on that. You know, just like last weekend, we we found those fish on a mud flat. There was there was nothing. You know, the structure was down about uh, about a half mile from where we were fishing at. Um, we looked at them on Thursday, and you know, we saw quite a few fish down in the treetops down through there. Felt pretty good. When we went back on Friday, they were gone. They moved up river just far enough. They got on a mud flat up there, and there wasn't a piece of structure up there. I mean, it was as flat as flat could be besides little orange dots just poking around down there. I mean, they were sitting right there, and, I mean, we just went through there and just picked them off that mud flat, you know, all morning. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you get stuck up on hung, you know, hung up on fishing the trees or the rock or whatever. You know, sometimes guys forget they just go just a little bit up from where they should be at. Just, you know, expand your area a little bit. You'll find them. So. Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer that if you found fish uh, pre-fishing and they're gone when you go into your tournament day, that they're usually not very far from you. <laughs> you know, I think they'll be pretty close. A lot of times they move. If a front must do, I've, I've noticed that a lot of times they'll be out in deeper water, uh, right. in shallow water, but they, they don't generally just take off and leave the area, I don't believe. I agree with that, and I mean, kind of like you said, they're they're somewhere close by. They may not be in the same spot, but you know, will they be 
you know, it's a hundred yards is it a quarter mile, you know, they're, they're usually somewhere in that vicinity. If you spend time to, to find them, you'll usually find a handful of them. Sometimes a group will thin out a little bit, you know, you'll find them in smaller groups, you know, on a, on a time like that. You may not find the, the, the big fat group that you had, but you know, you'll find smaller little groups of four or five, you know, that you can pick off down through there and just kind of follow them on out. I, I think that's a hundred percent correct. You know, you know, I talked earlier this afternoon and, and, uh, uh, you've had a couple different partners or two or three different partners this year. Um, that's that's kind of different for you. You usually fish with the same guy all the time. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no. Uh, you know, I used to fish with Jeremy for uh, years. You know, me and Jeremy uh, been fishing together for a long time. Before we started fishing, uh, you know, the national tournaments, we fished, you know, uh, local tournaments on lakes here. You know, when we were a lot younger, and then uh, that's how we actually got started. Me and Jeremy were fishing a little small tournament uh, at a lake called Mosquito Lake up here in Warren, Ohio, that uh, somehow was a qualifier for the King Cat Cabela's. Uh, championship is when the clubs could actually qualify you for the actual championship well we won that tournament you know and we qualified to go to the cabela's tournament so we were just tickled to death and we went out to junction city kansas on lake milford i think there and this will be close i don't think it's exact but you'll get the idea i think there's 116 boats in that championship and i think i came in 113th <laughs> so, um, but uh, we fished together ever since and then uh, we, you know jeremy fished together with me at the beginning of this year and he uh took a job down at Clayton State University, um, which is down by Atlanta, Georgia. So, and, you know, with his new job and everything, just made it, uh, you know, almost impossible for him to take the time off that he was able to take off at his old job. You know, just getting his, you know, roots set down there. You know, he needed to, he needs to focus on, you know, life and getting that taken care of first, you know. And then once he gets settled, I mean, Jeremy will be back fishing with me at some point in time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'd the guys that you've had with you this year have, have done really well. You guys must work together really good because you have, realistically, you've been one of the hottest guys on, on the, uh, the going uh, this year and, and last year, and I don't know for how long, but uh, you know you're you're always consistently in the top five or six or uh, three. You know, so uh, that, that's pretty good that you can pick up some guys that that you can work with like that and do so well. No, I've been fortunate. Uh, Rob, uh, who's been my my primary partner after Jeremy Jeremy left, um, I've known Rob. We've worked together now for about 15 years, and uh, when we started working together, we started becoming buddies and you know doing going deer hunting together, and we did a lot of fishing together, and you know and. Yeah, we always get together with the family, and you know we've been good friends, and you know, not only you know just the friendship, but working together all them years, you know we've just developed a bond. You know we kind of, I mean, our offices are beside each other. We just kind of read each other. So then Rob was an easy fit, and then uh, Wayne, uh, the fellow that I fished with last week, Wayne's worked with me for several years as well, and uh, we've been fishing off and on together you know, for the last couple of years. He comes to Alabama with me every year. We do a, a fall trip in November usually, where we take a couple guys down from work, and he's Wayne always one that comes down with us so you know Wayne wasn't a complete newbie to the to the system either you know Wayne's uh, done a lot of catfishing you know locally um, so he was he was an easy one to step in as well so I, yeah I'm pretty fortunate <laughs> Heath Malone sent us a question on chat that wants to know what your favorite bait on the fall in the fall on rivers are uh, skip jackhead yeah <laughs> I kind of <laughs> So it just a matter of how big. <laughs> do you uh, do you work trying to get 
fresh skipjack before every tournament or fresh bait every tournament? Or do you use froze skipjack? Um, I if I will move heaven and earth to get fresh bait if it's possible. Yeah. Um, very rarely will I go with you know frozen. I mean, there's been times where it has, and I've done really well in tournaments with frozen bait. I think it's uh, it depends on how the frozen bait was picked up, kept, you know, and iced down and froze and everything. To me, it makes a difference. And uh, you know, if you can get some good quality bait, which I'm fortunate enough to do from some fellas out of Alabama, that uh, you know, I don't I don't mind using the frozen bait. But uh, again, you know, if, even if it's a shad tournament or a skipjack tournament, I will move heaven and earth to get bait. You'll see me, I'll run 250 miles to get bait at times. So. <laughs> uh, there's times when I don't think it makes any difference. They'll eat anything, and there's other times when it has to be very specific, and it has to be, if it's not fresh, you're not going to do anything at all. And the tougher the fishing is, the more important that is to me. Yeah, and I tell you, I don't mind in spring as much. You know, it seems to be in spring, you know, frozen will, you know, kind of like you said, some days it don't matter. I think frozen performs, you know, better in the spring to me. I think because, you know, usually, at least up around our neck of the woods anyways, I can't speak for down south, but, you know, we usually have a shad kill off, you know, usually every, every early spring there. You know, sometime, you know, it'll warm up and get them all freaked out and they'll move up and all of a sudden, boom, it'll drop cold and there's dead, there's dead shad scattered all over the place. Right. Um, you know, that, that at that time of the year, you know, it seems like they don't mind the, the frozen near as much to me. But uh, you know, frozen shad, I, I hardly will ever throw a frozen shad. You know, I I figure I can find a fresh shad somewhere, so I I won't throw frozen shad, but skipjack I will. Yeah, fr frozen shad, I don't even want it froze overnight. I, I <laughs> it just gets so soft, and uh, they don't have very good bone structure in them to keep, and I really struggle with them. I have done good in a couple of tournaments when that's all that there was, you know, and nobody else had any fresh bait either, and it worked out. But as a general rule, I'd, I'd rather not even mess with it if I can keep from it. Um, or is What's the next big tournament you're headed to? Um, we're actually fishing uh, Cabela's tournament this upcoming weekend. It's in Morgantown, West Virginia. Um it's uh we've fished it for years. It's close. It's on the Monongahela River. It's you know it's not a big fish river. It's a uh, you know a couple good flatheads and some nice channels will come out of there. Um, but it's it's always been close to us, so we fished it every year. We're going to hit that one, and then uh, after that, uh, looks like um, the Cabela's Championship will probably be the next one there in uh, Gallatin, Tennessee, that will get a hit. So that's outstanding. Are you looking forward to going down and seeing Aaron Wheatley at Monsters on the Ohio? You know, you know we are. Yep, we'll be down there. I'd, I'd like to sneak in and do a little pre-fishing uh, down there, see if I can't do a little better. It seems, seems to be I can catch fish everywhere else in the world but Owensboro. And uh, I had a good one last year that I lost, but uh, we'll see if I can't do something different this year because right now that's the one one tournament that I've struggled in that, you know, how you always got that one that just seems to whoop you. That's been mine, and I'm bound to determined to do halfway decent in it sooner or later. <laughs> You know, we, we do a lot of travel and go to a lot of tournaments, and I know you do. And uh, that is, to me, that's the most fun event that we do every year. And uh, we don't do really good down there either. And I'm not a fan of, of no current situations. I don't like lake fishing, and I don't like rivers that don't have current. But if there was ever a more fun place to go, to be around some of the best people in catfishing. I haven't found it yet. 
No, no. I mean, like you know, when I when we first started fishing summer championships, you used to get a similar turnout, you know, and get a hundred boats and get to meet all the people. But those, you know, the national trails have kind of you know faded down a little bit. You know, Aaron's put together a good thing, and he's proved to the world, you know, if you put together a good tournament, you run it right, you take care of things, people will come. You know, I mean, you just think if you know. Think if Aaron had a body of water like, you know, Wheeler or, you know, on the Mississippi River where they're pulling big hogs out. You think, you know, think of the people that would show up then. I mean, look at the turnout we get now. I mean, woo-wee, that thing could be a monster, really be a monster. Absolutely, absolutely could. He, and he, he worked so hard at, at making that work work for him, and uh, the whole community is behind him. He just couldn't ask for a better deal. But, I you know, I've talked to George Young a couple of times, and, I really believe that he has got it going on down there, and I, I look for that to be a huge event. I uh, can't hardly wait to get down there. I've never fished that far down on the Mississippi River, and I've fished the Mississippi River my whole life, but I've never been that far down it. So I'm excited about being there and, and uh, you know, seeing how that turns out because I cannot imagine uh, that area known for producing big fish and having the way in there at that bass, new Bass Pro Shop, that that not being an outstanding event. That and I, like I said, I'm looking forward to that because uh, you know that time of year, that tournament could be just you know on fire. And I mean, yeah, like you said, the appeal of being able to weigh in in front of Bass Pro, that you know, I mean, you you could have a pretty big turnout down there, and that could be you know for for the guys weighing in, that could be a big thrill, and it also could be you know for the people watching down there. I mean, that's that place is liable to produce an 80 to 100 pound catfish. You know, it's liable to produce few of them down there as possible. So yeah. I mean, for people watching the weigh in, that could be a real real exciting isn't that uh, the place is the same general area as where those 200 pounders was caught a few years ago in that tournament down there I I believe so I believe so I don't know exactly where but I know that uh, that they did put two of them in the boat uh, one 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 day and one the next day and yep. Harold Dodd is is one of my favorite people in the whole world and Harold put one of them in the boat and uh, Oh shoot! I can't think of the other guy's name. You'd think I could remember his name. Yeah, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But he, you know, he put the other one in the boat, and there's one one day and one the next day. You know, so there, there's more down there. It's not them oh, was yeah. the only two big fish in that area, and uh, I just I'm very excited for that to to come to play, and uh, I really think. That, to... What's that? <laughs> I, no, I, really, I was starting to start losing there. <laughs> oh, I think that, that guys like Aaron and George, that they're going uh, out of their way to, to make things better for uh, for uh, the, the tournament fishermen. And, and I think that's really, really a good thing um, because, you know, I'm, I'm seeing some of the bigger trails kind of lose their appeal for whatever reason. Yeah, Phil King's the other guy. I don't know why I couldn't remember. Yep. But, uh, you know, uh, thanks, Justin. But, um, you know, for some reason, they're not getting the number of boats and different reasons. And I have my thoughts about that, but that's neither here nor there. But these guys are putting together huge events, uh, and they're doing it without really the experience that some of the other guys has got. But now, Aaron has, like I said a while ago, he has got some of the greatest people in the world behind him. 
He promotes this thing year-round, and he does a really good job. And I think George will be the same way. I know that Aaron and George have talked. So uh, I, this is just me talking, but it would not surprise me if that tournament next year doesn't come out with the biggest turnout ever been in a catfish tournament. And it's it's got a real possibility, like you said. I think George, I you know I don't know George real well personally. I get to see him at the tournaments here and there. He seems like a real nice fella, and I know he's a he, he's he's a diehard cat fisherman. And I'm, if anybody will get it done, I'm sure he can. And it uh, seems like he's well on his way. And I mean that that's what it takes. You know, it, it takes passion. You know, and it seems like you know I know Aaron. You know, it's it's not being selfish. He does, Aaron's not looking for anything out of it. He's looking to build a good tournament. You know, he's not looking to try to figure out how to make money, this, that, and the other. He's doing it because of his passion for catfishing. You know, and a lot of times, you know, people kind of, uh, they, they forget about that a little bit, you know, and, uh, you know, forget why we're here. <laughs> so. Right, you know, and, and some of these guys that, that don't believe that that is a job to put some kind <laughs> of thing like that on needs to try it sometime because, I'm telling you right now, that's as hard a work as you could imagine doing uh, for no recognition at all. I mean, <laughs> nobody ever say, uh, you know, anything about how great it was, or, or rarely they do. I won't say they never do. But, you know, these guys that put on these events, whether it be uh, Aaron or George or Cabela's or, you know, that's a, that's a big deal to make these events happen to, of any size, you know, other than a, than a monthly tournament here or there, and even those are a lot of work uh, <laughs> to, to do them correctly to where you don't have much problems. So. No, I, I I don't think people realize. I mean, especially the you know the, the thing Aaron's got going on down there. I mean, you know, like you said, the year-round promoting. He's always involved. The planning that goes into that. You know, it's not something you just wake up on Saturday morning and throw together. I mean, that's he's got you know he's got a lot of people involved in that. You know, mapping it out. He's just taking the steps that, you know, if and I don't understand why you know some of the. <laughs> Unfortunately, the national trails haven't looked and seen some of the things that he does. And, you know, I mean, you know, part of business is, you know, you, you look at what somebody else is doing better than you and you figure out how to do it the same or better, you know. And that's just one thing. I don't understand why they're not trying to put these events together just a little bit better. And I think they draw the boats. I mean, you look what Aaron's doing. I mean, that trail out there, I, um, I know Brad Kirkpatrick puts on out there in uh, Kansas City. I know that one's a big one. I've never got to fish it. But, uh, you know, the turnout he gets out there is, just, you know, pretty phenomenal as well. It is. Brad does a really good job. He takes care of his fish. He takes care of everything. And I'm not saying that there's not some things that happen because there's going to be things that happens everywhere. But Brad works extremely hard to make Kansas City catfishing what it is. And he's done a really good job. Uh, he gets some big crowds. He, he, You know, if he was more than just in his general area, uh, I could see Brad competing with the big guys. Actually, uh, and, and I don't mean this bad, and I hope them guys don't misunderstand me, but he runs that better than a lot of the big trails do. You know, he does a really good job. He spends his time, puts his, puts his time in to make it happen, and, and that's what Aaron's doing. That's what George is going to do. You know, these right. guys are... are and that's why when you see the national trails have 15 boats or something like that, and Brad will go out to Waverly or Brunswick, and he'll have 100 or 150 boats, 
The, the reason is because he's taking care of his fishermen. He's taking care of the, the sponsors, the people that's putting the added money. He's taking care of the people, and he's running them correctly. And sure, he makes some people mad. Some of them make him mad. That's just life. I mean, uh, some of them's going to get mad. It doesn't matter. He's still doing a good job, and that's the reason he gets the participation that he does. That winter uh, blues is going to be big also. Daniel's winter blues, that Daniel Parsons is, is just doing really good things, and uh, I, I'm so happy to be affiliated with that winter blues on Wheeler. I'm looking really looking forward to being down there, and this time maybe I can get out of the boat ramp that bust the key off of my boat. I mean, <laughs> people didn't even know about it last year. I mean, Phil no. King didn't even know about it till the week before, and you know, as guys were hearing about it, they were going for sure, so uh, I think this year it's going to be really good. I do, too. I do, too. It was a lot of fun last year. Justin Wolf's got a question or two for you. Carl, he wants to know what your favorite hook is, your favorite reel, and if you prefer walking baits uh, or any other style of fishing over the other. Uh, favorite hook is Diachi, um, D85, slight offset. Um Real Abu Garcia 7,000. Um, I'm an Abu Garcia baby. Um, I don't know how many 7,000s I got out there. Um, I love them. They're, they're, they're tough as nails. If, I could just, if you, you put a little glue on those set screws on the side, you don't have to worry about those coming out. Those reels are tough as nails. I like those. Um, and uh, what was the third question? I uh, wanted to know if uh, what style of drifting you like, dead sticking, walking baits, you know, or if you prefer that. Oh, specifically over anchored fishing or something else? Well, I, I prefer drift, fish, drift fishing over anchor fishing. I'd say 95% of the time I'm probably drifting. Right. Um, now, the style of drifting, I will, you know, that that'll be depending on the water that I'm fishing. You know, um, you know, I, I I don't mind any of them really. Um, I like walking bait. There's there's nothing like walking some bait back and getting a big old fifty or sixty slamming on it. You know, but uh, you know also you know sometimes you know drifting uh, you know suspended is where they're at. And I mean, you know, there's also something about drifting down through there and just watching that rod. You know, it's got sitting over there ninety degrees outside the, the boat, just hit the water. <laughs> so you know, I mean, there's something about that too. So I mean, drift fish is the way to go for me, but uh, you know the style, like I said, that really is determined by which body of water I'm on. So I, I have an anchor in my boat. And you, you ask anybody, they laugh all the time, and they, they don't even think I own one because I mean, even in the, even in the winter time, I'm still drifting. So you know, I know there's the, the theory you can't drift and catch fish, you know, under 50 degrees, but uh, I, I'm here to tell you that's 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 wrong. <laughs> Do, do you uh, take a lot of people out and show them how to back bounce and, and walk baits and stuff? Um, I've had a few people out, but, I mean, I, I can't say I've had a lot of people out on the boat, but, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people in the parking lot and try to give them, you know, try to give them all the information I can, you know, because, you know, I, I, I know when I first started, you know, some of the guys, you know, I, I wasn't very good and didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, you know, just like I said, I learned a lot staying at the tailgate of a truck at 5 o'clock, you know, or 11 o'clock at night uh, talking to people. You know, I tried to do the same for guys. You know, I tried to give them all the information I can, so I try to I, – I try to give them it's not the same as being out on the water but you know at least it'll help narrow some things down for them a little bit absolutely well the point i was getting at is one of the best the most favorite things is to for me is to have somebody that's never been out and showing them how to bounce behind the boat as you're drifting down that river 
and a, even if it's a 20 or 30 hit set thing, and, and watch them because they think that rod's gone. Yep. When they slam into it, they think it's gone, and, man, the look on their faces is simply amazing. I enjoy that as much as I've seen them catch the fish because they can't believe how much power that fish has got, and they're trying to hold on that rod. They forget about reeling. It's just a matter of self-defense <laughs> keep them from losing it, you know. Well, and see, I've I've actually had you know with that I've you know with Wayne and Rob I've I've taken both of them on their first trip down the Mississippi. Uh, Rob went with me um, a couple years ago and fished the uh, Bass Pro Championship because uh, Jeremy couldn't make it, um, so he got a chance to go down there. That was his first trip to Mississippi, and yeah, when when he you know he was figuring out you know started out you know kind of bouncing the. the <laughs> right behind the boat and he started figuring out how to get it out. Yeah, that's, uh, I got to see him catch, I think he got a 40 that trip down there and I know he was tickled to death and then Wayne, uh, fellow that was with me this weekend, this was his actual um, second trip to the Mississippi. He went to Crystal City and fished with me once before and then he got down there and you figure pre-fishing, he nailed that 53 and yeah, that, uh, you know, being, being with both those guys on their first trips, you know, down to the Mississippi, I mean, that was, that was fun time. You betcha. Let's see, we got another question in here from Scott Woody. What size line do you use and do you prefer braid or mono? I, I use braid. I use Sussex uh, 832 braid, um, 80 pound, and uh, usually use um, you know, 50 pound uh, mono leader. I, I run Cajun line for my mono leader and I run 50 pound Cajun and then uh, depending on what body of water I'm fishing, I've got several different, uh, if I'm dragging or using a three-way you know, on my sinker line, I've got you know some, some 20 and some 30 pound and I got some heavier stuff like we use down in Mississippi on my leader line. So, do you uh, you say you always use Cajun for your leaders? Yep, I I mean that's what I like. You know, I think you put ten people in a room, you get ten different opinions on leader line. But uh, that's always been it's been tough for me, and I it don't lose fish on it, so I'm happy with it. Wayne. But it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, I'm I'm a firm believer if something is working, there's no sense of trying. You know, and I'll always try stuff, but I usually end up going back for something that I've never had any issues with because, uh, like you say, if it ain't broke, there ain't no sense of messing with it. Just keep on doing what you're doing, and and uh, that works out the very best for me. Well, you know, again, it's you know, one, you know, your rods. You know, once you figure out, you know, your rod, your reel, your your line, and everything set up. Don't worry about it. You know, if if you don't need to change it, don't worry about. It. A lot of guys, oh, there's a new leader line. I want to go use this. Well, you know, you're, again, you're taking time away from actually focusing on. You know, if you're tournament fishing, you're taking time away from trying to figure out you know the water you're on. You're worried about your rod, your equipment. You know, focus on the fishing. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I just try to. I don't try to overthink anything. I don't try to overcomplicate it. I just, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of people fishing for a lot of years before us, and they've been catching a lot of fish. Yeah, you try to do new things and get better at the techniques that they've already established, but that's just it. Somebody else has already established most of the techniques. You just need to fine-tune yourself with them. I agree 100%. I really do. That's that's. Uh, so, do you when you're back bouncing, are you using circle hooks or are you using different style hooks? Now, I'm using circle hooks. Back so, bouncing. Yep, yep. Nope, I, I bounce it right back to them, and you just hold that rod in your hand and just let them take it. I've done it that way. I, there's something about when they hit that, I just like to, you know, lay it on them a little bit. 
<laughs> and see, I, I just kind of, you know, as I've been teaching the guys, you know, once they feel that little tap and then it gets ready to go, you know, you just hold it. You don't move. You just, you know, just kind of pretend you're the rod holder. You just hold, just hold it, and that circle hook will set itself. That's you exactly know. what happens. That, that's for sure. It's, they're a lot of fun. Uh, back bouncing is, is fun to do. And if the fish are cooperating with you and you get into several of them a day, it's a ton of fun. Uh, yep. And and I believe that it's like anything else. You just present the bait in front of so many more fish than any other way I know of to fish that it works very well. You know, it just does. But there's some things. There's some days that uh, we just don't. You know, for whatever reason. And last weekend was one of them. The water was dropping and fish was tough. And uh, you know, not this past weekend, weekend four and and we anchored up on fishing done really well, but uh, you know, there's days when anchor fishing just don't produce, and and uh, you're just wasting your time. Uh, I like walking baits, I really do, but sometimes that doesn't work for me either, and and that's where you have to adapt and go to a different uh, outline of things, and uh, maybe your rig's wrong, maybe you need to use a, a, a float or something is suspended a little higher off the bottom and, and I think people are afraid to try things but if you're not in if you're in fish and they're not biting I believe that you have there's a reason they're not and it's, a lot of times I think it's because the bait's just not presented to them the way they want it. No and, and that's just it and that's kind of you know you know pre-fishing you, you know you got to throw out a lot of different styles you know, and you got to figure out which one of those is working. I, I agree. Bait presentation is, you know, it's key, you know, whether you're dragging it, whether you, you know, like you said, you know, whether you got a float on it and, you know, lifting it up off the bottom, whether you're suspending it, you know, you, you got to figure out, you know, which way is, you know, turning them on that day. I mean, cause you know, you, what worked for you Friday, I mean, I've, I've sat out there and, you know, drag around and catch fish, you know, wheeler, you know, pulling baits, you know, 50 yards behind me, caught them all day long, went out there and did the same thing the next day, couldn't catch a fish, but, you know, they'd moved up, you know, they were, they were hitting suspended bait that day, you know, I mean, that's, you know, they, they, they do change, you know, I mean, sometimes it's overnight, sometimes you can follow the same pattern for two weeks, you know, I mean, I've, I haven't figured that part out yet to explain to you why that, that happens like it does, but it just, you know, um, you know, you just got to be open-minded when it comes to it, you know, but yet, but you still, you know, you, you still don't want to overthink it. The guys really overthink it a lot. You know, you got to have your four or five, you know, styles, you know, and, and try to get good at those different ways of fishing because, I mean, some guys spread themselves so thin, they're, they know how to fish all of them, but they're not any good at any of them. I agree. I agree. And, and the ones that's got it figured out in two or three ways, uh, you know, they're always going to be on fish and do really well. And um, what works one day may not work the next day. And if you're able to adapt and find what's working each individual day, I think you're ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's just a trick because, you know, I mean, and I think we're all, we all do it. Sometimes we get stubborn and, you know, we, we're setting our ways to a certain extent and we, you know, they're, they're going to bite this with you. Know, they're going to they're gonna hit it, you know, and then come 10 o'clock in the morning, you start thinking, well, maybe I was wrong, you know, and you start, you know, switching up at that point. But uh, no, I mean, that's just it. I think guys just, you know, just try some things, be open-minded, you know, I mean, like you said, some guys try too much, some guys won't try nothing. <laughs> so just find a happy medium of it all, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly right. Justin wants to know if you've ever had them drop the bait before your rod loads up to the circle hook and not being able to set the hook. 
Yeah, yeah, I've I've had them pick the bait up before, and you know, and then mouth it, and you know, give it a pull, and then drop it all of a sudden. Um, you know, I mean, but I've had them do the same thing, you know, dragging. You know, you, they'll they'll pick up on it. Some days it just seems like they they can feel that, you know, that, that they feel that tension on that line more than others. I don't know, and I mean, they drop it quicker. But yeah, I've you know, I mean, I've had them do that. Yes. Yeah, I have too. I but I've had them do that with with regular hooks before you could jerk it. You know, try to set the hook. They, they, they didn't turn loose. Of it. You're just grabbing bare water or whatever. Hey, Lyle, I got a quick question for him. Lay it on us. Hey, uh, on the circle hooks, do do you buy a, a circle hook that has a slight tip offset, or do you, do you bend your own offset in the hook? I I buy them. They're already offset. So and uh, you know that those you know I mean have worked fine for me. I mean you know. I, yeah, you you know I miss a fish once in a while and don't hook up, but uh, you know I mean I can't tell you I know, but you know it, we we hook up more often than not. It hasn't been a problem. We used to use the Gamatsu hooks for a long time, and uh, and then I I kind of fell out with them, you know, about five years ago. I just uh, they they started making them cheaper and cheaper, and it just seemed like uh you know they just weren't they weren't they weren't the same as they were when they first came out. And I switched over to those Diachis, and uh, you know I mean for me I've I've been a happy guy, and I mean. I've tried some other hooks, you know, and uh, I've got a few other ones in the tackle box that I've had. But I mean, I, I'm a I'm a Diachi kid all the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, I told myself that I, I would never buy a circle hook with an offset in it because I, I really can't stand gut hook and all that. But this past weekend, uh, I offset my hooks for the first time, and uh, I mean, it was just an unbelievable difference in the hookup ratio. Yeah, I, mean, I, I still had a couple, a couple of uh, takedowns that you know I, I didn't get, but my, my percentage rate just jumped straight up. Um, you know, so you know if everybody else is doing it, you're gonna have to jump on the bandwagon and do it, and just maybe not do it when you're fun fishing or whatever. But if if people's offsetting their hooks during tournaments and you know getting away from uh, you know not taking a chance on gut hook and I guess I'm gonna have to do it too. <laughs> it, it really helped this weekend. It did big time. So uh, I'm a true believer in it now. Yeah, no, I've I've always liked the the slide offset. You know, I mean that's just you know I've tried several different ones and that just always seemed to be the one that you know I had a higher hookup with and you know kind of like anything you know you try a handful of stuff and you narrow it down to the one you like and I mean that's I mean I just heck I just call I just set up. Uh, bottom dwellers to send me a bunch last night because I was running low after that Mississippi River trip. <laughs> we went down there and we, we were struggling on Thursday a little bit trying to fish some timber and uh, I think we donated more lead and hooks than we did anything in the first three hours. <laughs> if, if, oh yeah, if, if you get on fish and, and you know they're down there on that uh, on that tree or whatever and you, and you get hung up, do you go ahead and just cut your line with scissors or do you shake that tree and take a chance on uh, you know them fish running off? Now we we like to break our line off as soon as possible. If fish are down there, and you know we don't. I mean, you don't want to go pulling on that tree too hard. I mean, them them fish ain't going to be there no longer. If, I mean, especially I mean, depending on how big of a tree it is, whatnot. You know, that 80 pound braid, pretty tough stuff. And I mean, a lot of times we'll break off chunks of trees. Right. You know, and end up pulling up a chunk with it. You know, and after that, you're not you're not going to circle back around and catch those fish. Right. You know, it just. I mean, if it is, it's going to be a little while later. I mean, you know, you spooked them out of that area, and so not to mention it's it's hard on your equipment as well too right you so, know, so. Uh, you just recommend the guys to uh you know break that line and uh go ahead and tie another one and get it back down there instead of just 
-hmm. spending a lot of time on trying to get it out and scaring the fish off. That that's my opinion on it, you know. And I mean, you know, I've seen guys, you know, that, that cut them with scissors. I've seen guys that, you know, if you're drifting, it's got a, you know, ten inch piece of old garden hose that you just take and you just twist around the line right above the reel real quick, so the tension, you know, is pulling on that garden hose as opposed to pulling on the actual reel. Because I mean, you know, I, I tore up a lot of seven thousand, you know, Abu Garcias, you know, on the Mississippi River, you know, with a dead stick hanging out, getting snagged up, and next thing you know, look back and it's, I mean, it's just cranking on that reel, and there ain't a whole lot you can do about it. So, you know, um, you're just better off, you know, to be prepared to cut it and you know, or break it, whatever method you want to use. Just have all your stuff ready to tie on quick, and you don't waste hardly any time. Now we usually, you know, like this one, we I think we had uh, 20 liters tied up uh, in the kitty ready to go for tournament day. You know, we had new ones already on the poles ready to go because you know we we were walking some baits and uh, so you know we had the pole we was walking. We had the backup pole strung up so that way if we did break off, it would just sit that one down. You know, slap a new piece of bait on the other one back in the water because when you're in the zone and when you're in them fish. You know, sometimes, I mean, you know, I mean, shoot, we wasn't hitting but about, uh, I mean, it couldn't have been three, four hundred yard little section, you know, where we're banging all the fish. You know, and on the Mississippi River, you can be in that little spot and out of it before you know what's going on. So, you know, we ended up uh, having everything uh, ready to roll so we could just, you know, pop it right back down in there. So, yeah, we always have things tied up ready. Yeah, well, when the fish quit biting, do, do you uh, turn around and go back through them as many times as it takes? <laughs> As we, we didn't leave that uh, section of the river all day. We fished it from 6.30 to 2 o'clock the other day and never left it. So. <laughs> out there. I appreciate it. That's what guys need to hear. That's, that's, that's great information. Um, Jason Mitchell wants to know what your favorite area is to drift on a river. Oh, man, that's that's a tough one. Uh, you know, usually um, I I like to start you know out on the river. Um, you know, depending on which you know, which river, that's a hard one, man. I, I I go out. You know, if it's a new river like down here, I mean, I started looking in the bins. You know, for the fish. You know, that's usually where I'll start at. Um, you know, work my way on down into the straightaway. You know, because I mean, not, they're not always in the corners like everybody thinks. You know, I mean, I've caught a lot of fish that you know are sitting out there in the straightaways that people just drive right by. Um, so you know, that's a tough question. But I'd say I'd start in the corners, and you know, and I usually start in about uh, anywhere from 30 to 60 foot of water, depending on where I'm at. You know, I'll start. I usually don't go no shallower than that. I'm I'm a deep water type of guy. You know, I usually you know start 30 as my shallowest. So right. Uh, Greg's in chat wants to know what kind of boat do you use? Uh, 2008 uh, Triumph Center Console with a 150 Yamaha on it. That's that's like uh, Justin said made a post on here that he that's a large bay boat and that is basically what it is, isn't it? What's that? A bay boat, a large yeah. bay boat. Yeah, it's a large bay boat basically. It's just uh, it's got a deeper V on it, you know, than a bay boat. You know, it's got a good V haul on it, then it's got kind of the the, the flat bottom back on it because it's only got an 18 inch draft, but yet it's got a big nose to cut through the waves. So, like I said, it, you know, we I bought it up on Lake Erie. You know, it's made to tolerate you know some pretty windy conditions, and that's one reason I got it. Like I said, I sacrifice speed for comfort. You know, it, it's a safe boat being out there on you know any of the rivers. You know, it can take a beating. You know, I'm not worried about anybody falling out of it. You know, it just it you know to me it's just it's safe, and I'd rather sacrifice a shade of safety for you know the fastest boat in the tournament. You know, and if you nail down your water, you don't need the fastest boat in the tournament. 
That, that's you know you're not the first person that said that. Uh, Casey Tudor is another uh, prime example of that. Casey and John Lamaster they're very successful and they don't have a big fast boat, but they do a lot of winning. <laughs> yep. No, Casey and they're they're good tough guys. I I don't get to see them much, but at Monsters, but uh, yeah, that, that guy is always on some good fish. <laughs> oh, he is, and he's he, good guys. I mean, both of them they're just really good guys. Um, I see them every year down at Monsters, and it's always good to see them guys and uh, very polite, courteous young men. These the kind of people we're proud to have in catfishing. I I gotta ask you a question that really is doesn't it pertains to fishing, but it doesn't really pertain to fishing. You know, I, I know that you're at all these tournaments, and you know all the Jeff Dodds, and you know all the uh, Mass and Gill brothers, and all these guys. Who do you think is the biggest character in all of catfishing? Just a just a character. Um, that'd probably be Jeff Dodd. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Jeff Dodd. Uh, you know, I tell you, he's always a hoot to be around. Um, you know, I enjoy fishing with him, and uh, you know, I mean, I'd say 99 percent of the time that man's got a smile on his face, and doesn't matter if he's win or lose, it's a happy guy, and he's usually having some kind of fun. So he, he's probably my favorite character. <laughs> he is. A, he's a great guy. We had him on the show, one of the best shows. He was really on Daryl and Jason, you know, and. And uh, it was so much fun. Um, I hope that when we get to the Monsters of the Ohio, and I don't know if you real know this or not, but uh, last year we done a live show out of uh, um, the bait store down there, and we're going to do it again. Uh, Bass and Moore was nice enough to ask us to come back down there, and we'll be doing that. We're going to try to do it live. We videotaped it out of there, and we done a show at the Ramada Inn last year, and we're going to try to do a live one out of out of Bass and Moore, uh, if we can get everything to work and the internet connection strong enough, and uh, I, I would love to have you on. I know Chuck and I would be just thrilled if you'd come on live with us down there. But if we could get um, Jeff Dodd and Daryl and Jason on at the same time, can you imagine what kind of show that'd be? <laughs> that would be a riot, because yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that there's a term Jeff isn't giving Daryl and Jason some kind of static, so <laughs> I don't even think they got to be at the tournament sometimes, and he's still calling them, giving them static, it seems like. <laughs> they wasn't on the show when he was on the show, and they was very polite, and they talked very nice about Jeff, and, and he did about them, too, but, I mean, when we asked him about them boys, I mean, he got on them. Man. <laughs> it was one of, one of the most fun shows that we did, probably, but... Uh, yeah, I, it's just it's so bad that uh you know work gets in the way of you know things that people can do. You know the the Massengills they had the uh, number one uh, launch position last year and was unable to make it because one of them couldn't get off work. So yeah, um, now they I, I heard they couldn't make it this uh, last week there um, to Covington because um, of work. I know that's a challenge. I mean because. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and you hate to you hate to not see them come because you love to fish against guys like that, and you know, because I mean, 
it's fishing against guys like Jeff Dodd, Larry Muse, Daryl and Jason, you know, I mean, I used to come to these tournaments and just get my tail whooped and, you know, I'd go home and you know, I'd be at the bottom of the pack, but I'd, I'd always go to weigh in no matter if I caught a fish or not. Even if it was zero, one or two, I'd go weigh it in just so I could stand there and I could talk to those guys, even if it was for five <laughs> minutes, you know, <laughs> so just so I could learn a little bit from and figure out what in the heck I was doing wrong, you know, and I mean, you know, those guys were, like I said, were nice enough to, you know, they give me, they, they don't, no, by far, do they tell me any secrets or anything. They just, you know, they give you a little tidbit here or there that you'd say, huh, that makes sense, you know, so. Yeah, I, I would go watch Phil King weigh in uh, and not even fish the tournament and stand there and ask him questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just show up to watch the weigh-in, and uh, yeah, it's, it's good stuff being able to do that. Yeah, Phil King, uh, you know, we, we used to idolize Phil King, you know, he was the man in catfishing when we were younger, he was catching all those fish, and uh you know, I remember we was the first time we went down to Wilson Pickwick Lake. We we wasn't fishing a tournament or anything. We was just learning how to catfish. We couldn't catch a fish down there to save our tail. Sean, uh, Jeremy's brother, was fishing with us. He emails. Uh, he gets on Phil King's website and he emails him and asks for help. How how can we catch fish down here? <laughs> so. <laughs> oh yeah, he's uh, he'll help you any way he can. Yeah, he will. He's he's a very good guy as well. So I enjoy seeing Phil and Tim at the tournaments. Uh, you know, no matter you know how good or bad they do, they always walk around. They shake everybody's hand they can. I mean, they're real good people. Oh yeah, I, I learned I learned that from him, and I try to do the exact same thing just because I've seen him do it. I'll do shake everybody's hand. That is one of the things that separate the catfishing uh, groups from some of the other sports. What's that? Do you believe that the camaraderie and the, the courtesy towards each other is one thing that separates the catfish and bunch away from some of the others? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I think, you know, I think we all got a lot of work to do, you know, and because uh, there's still just too much, uh, you know, there, there's too many groups. There's not, there's not enough, you know, unity. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if, if we could just all get along, you know, I think catfishing could really be big. But, you know, I mean, I've, I've met a lot of great people, um, you know, through catfishing. I got a lot of people that I can call friends all across the United States now that, uh, you know, I otherwise wouldn't have had, you know, and I got a lot of people that I could hang up and I'd call right now if I needed something would, you know, give me all the help they could, you know, I mean, good people. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think so too. Well, listen, Carl, we appreciate you taking your time to be on Catfish Weekly with us so much. It was outstanding having you on here. And uh, if you get a chance to uh, be on the show with us live down at uh, Bass and Moore in Owensboro, uh, probably be Thursday before the tournament. We'd sure like to have you on there, and uh, whoever's going to be fishing that with you, bring them on, and we, we'd love to visit with you a little bit. I think it'd be uh, really good. We well, Hopefully we can get everybody. We had a bunch on last year and had a really good time, and uh, try to get a bunch more on and do that, and, and I can't thank you enough for being on the show and, and uh uh, taking your time away from what you, you're doing to, to, to share your information with all of us. Well, I appreciate the invite, Lyle and Chuck. It was a pleasure joining you guys as well. And, uh, yeah, you know, let's uh, talk before Owensboro. I'll stop by Bassinmore. I was actually down in Bassinmore uh, a couple years ago um, doing a little thing, so I'm familiar with them folks. They're a real good place down there as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't mind stopping by and seeing you down there sometime.
Oh, that'd be great. Listen. Um, yeah, I hear the Gunners want to show me some stuff, man. <laughs> I, I, I need a top five in this one. <laughs> uh, you got some good competition down there with old Bridges and Mitchell, and uh, that's some tough water down there. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> well, listen, Carl, if, you know, I know you have some sponsors and stuff. If you'd like to thank any of them or mention them or anything, uh, we'll give you a few minutes here to go through whatever you need to do and Again, thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight. Thank you very much again, Lyle. And uh, you know, I'd like to say thanks to Ken Luttrell with uh, Fat Boy Custom Rods. Um, Ken builds a good rod, and uh, he's a good fellow himself. Also, Steve Douglas with Monster Rod Holders. Um, you know, those are two uh, products that I believe in. I started using uh, Monster Rod Holders when I first started catfishing, and uh, you know, I, I like the rod holder, and I think uh, Steve's done some good things with it. And uh, like I said, I love those two pieces. Uh, you know, Ken builds a good pull for me and keeps me stocked with them, and because uh, I'm hard on equipment as much fishing as I do, so he he, he does a good job taking care of me. <laughs> So thanks to those fellas. Well, that's great. I know Kenny myself. He's an outstanding guy. Uh, you know, we've talked on the phone a few times. I met him at some tournaments, and, uh, you know, he'd ask me questions. I'd help him all I can, and I feel that if I had a question that I needed him to help me with, that he would do so. And uh, from my personal opinion of Kenny Luttrell, um he is one of the, the, not only is he a great rod builder, he's a great fisherman. Uh, Kenny does very well in a lot of tournaments his, himself, and uh, it, they're just good people. I mean, well, and, and that's that's part of the reason why I'm with Fat Boy uh, Lyle, you know, is uh, it's, it's not for what he can do for me. You know, I mean, you know, people always say, well, gosh, you could probably get this sponsor, you could get that sponsor, you could do this. You know, I'm not really, you know, trying to figure out how many people I can, you know, slap on my boat and, you know, get all their names and see who's going to pay for what, you know. Um, you know, I, I just really like the people. And that's that's number one to me is, you know, is you know, before I'll say anything about the product, i got to believe in it and i got to believe more in the people that I'm, that I'm dealing with there just as much. So He's, he's, a, he's a top-notch guy, I think, the world. And there's some of the builders that think they're catfish rod builders. It's not what they think they are. Kenny Luttrell is not that kind of guy. If he tells you something, that's the way it's going to be. And I know he's a busy guy. Uh, believe me, we, we've talked about that time and time again. He stays busy, makes good product, and, and, and that's the kind of thing. I know Chuck had said something about, you know, you had a different sponsor. It doesn't matter. I mean, this, this show is about promoting catfishing and the great people in the sport, and uh, Kenny's one of them. We were so pleased to have you on the show tonight, and uh, thanks again for, for taking your time and doing it. No, thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Chuck, you got any closing statements? No, I'm good for tonight. There's not too much going on in the next couple of weeks. So. Okay. We've got uh, Twisted Cat Outdoors is having a tournament at Columbia Bottoms in St. Louis Saturday. Uh, be a night tournament, start at 7 o'clock Saturday night and 7 o'clock Sunday morning. This is the makeup tournament that has, this is the second time it's been rescheduled. Everybody kept wanting to, to get this tournament in, so there's your chance to go to, to St. Louis. And I believe it's, I'm hearing it's a little tough down there, uh, but, you know, the, the fish are always there. They're always on at Missouri. They're always on at Mississippi, so if you want to get into a night tournament, come down there and fish. Danny McGraw, I don't, sorry, I don't have the information on hand here that I'll have it for next week, is having a Fishing for Autism 
tournament coming up the 29th, I believe, and I'll get all the information and have that lined up for us next week. Uh, it's a good cause if anybody gets a chance to go up there. They have been laying out some great fish on that Missouri River uh, from the western half of Missouri all year long. So uh, there'll be some great fish caught up there. So if you get a chance to go up there and fish that. I believe that's all I have for this week. I want to thank everybody in chat and thank everybody for watching the show. Carl, thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you all down the road. With that, that's it for the show. See you all next week.